Now my charms are all overthrown, and what strength I have's my own, which is most faint. Now it is true I must be here confined by you, or sent to Naples. Let me not, since I have my dukedom got, and pardoned the deceiver dwell in this bare island by your spell. But release me from my bands with the help of your good hands. Gentle breath of yours my sails must fill, or else my project fails, which was to please. Now I want spirits to enforce, art to enchant, and my ending is despair, unless I be relieved by prayer, which pierces so that it assaults mercy itself and frees all faults, as you from crimes would pardoned be. Let your indulgence set me free. The theater, the theater. Theater, theater. To be or not to be. Theater, theater. How's everyone doing tonight? It's a late night. We're recording kind of late. How's I'm at the feeling? end of Good. a week where I've been going through an existential crisis. But yeah. oh, really? I've made it. I'm here. It's yeah. good to be here. Every, Survival every, of the CJ. Every yes. every so often, I'll, I'll get the I'll send a, te- a joking text to CJ, and then it's like, by the way, I think the world's going to end. And, <laughs> um, so, bl- yeah. bless your heart. Uh, to quote, to quote my grandpa, bless your heart, sweetheart, because you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was, it was it's just, it was a long week. Yes. This is all a computer Plus. simulation anyway, so. That's right. It's all a simulation. We took the red pill. It's, so, uh, it's all a stimulation. Well, all yeah. right. All, all right. right. I, now, that reminds pills. me, yeah, that reminds me of um, the time that my mom said, welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast <laughs> for theater people, made by three theater nerds from the LA Theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm CJ Merriman. I'm Scott Leggett. And we are all members of the Sacred Fools Theater Company, and each week we get together and talk about plays and playwrights that we have strong opinions on, and we discuss, debate, and disseminate all over them. And this is a special post-season bonus mini-series. Yeah, that's right! We're talking about the bard! That, that guy. That bard. Bill Shakespeare. Is that Bill Shakespeare over <laughs> is there? Is that Bill Shakespeare oh, over there? Oh, Saturday oh, Night oh, Live scene. Chris Farley at his best. All right, um, But... Uh, we do have a special guest with us to talk about Shakespeare's comedies. Uh, he is, in fact, the professor of voice and speech at the Stella Adler Academy of Acting in Los Angeles. Tim Kopax, everyone. Yeah. 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 He's here. Meow. He's clear. <laughs> and he's... Um, He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. Um, so, uh, Tim, how are you feeling tonight? Uh, I want to... Pres- scale of one to Anthony Hopkins, uh, where are you? On, are? A scale, <laughs> on a scale of one to Anthony Hopkins, I am tenure, which means that I'm sure. I'm somewhere between excelling and just, like, you know, hanging out. Got it. So you're 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 sort of at, like, a Lawrence Fishburne. I, I, I wrote enough papers for people to go, huh. But not enough papers for people to go, oh. 
Got it. So you're not a, yet a Gary Oldman, but you're no, sitting no, right no. at that. I, nice it feels like you're a Jodie Foster love. I'm like, I'm like. There's a bit of a Jodie Foster <laughs> vibe there. Yeah. I'm like Gary Oldman in The Fifth Element, where everyone's like, oh, he's got oil dripping from his head. Is that meaningful? Yeah. Right. Love that Gary Oldman. Got it. It's really from the Alien franchise. Yeah, truly. Um, truly. So, okay, so we've covered some really fun plays uh, already. We started with Love's Labor's Lost, which was Tim's. We, then we uh, choice, and then we did uh, Midsummer, which was Scott's choice. Ooh. And then we did Much Ado About Nothing, which was CJ's choice. Hey, Bailey, and Bailey, now... Bailey, Bailey. What? What's your choice? <gasps> okay. My choice is, thank you for being a friend. Oh, right, I have a uh, Golden Girls trivia moment for us real quick before I tell you. Uh, sponsored by the Golden Girls. Um, specifically sponsored by Cheesecake. Now, what is, this is a really hard one. Okay. If someone gets this, I will. Okay. I don't know. All right. What is the St. Olaf Woman of the Year trophy made out oh, of? Oh, Jesus Christ. I'll give you a hint. It's wrapped in gold foil. Butter. It's a human skull. No, and it's not butter. A human um, femur. It's wrapped in golden foil. A mummified oh, cock. All right. Wow. Jesus. Uh, is it chocolate something? Chocolate? It's milk chocolate wow scott with 20 Hi! points and then hot and actually since that was so hard i'm giving it 40 points that means you are what? neck and neck this with is some CJ. fucking bullshit right hey, that's a hard one I, you didn't get it CJ. i have a, <laughs> I, have a, I have a golden girls trivia question okay who what well rue mcclanahan who, well, who played uh, an elvis impersonator on an episode of the golden girls um gerald ford is it um it's not an Henry it's not somebody you would think of as an actor they are they are a director not somebody oh, i would it... think of as an actor is it they are an actor but it's this person is primarily a director it's de palma <laughs> damn late <laughs> qt y'all I feel like I point it out every time I see it and I'm always like, yeah, that's Quentin Tarantino. I'm going to remember that in a trivia someday. And I, <laughs> I obviously didn't. So there, I'm trash. I do have what some end it? of the show uh, Shakespeare trivia, by the way. Just okay. so fun. What were you saying, Siege? Oh, I just, there is an actor here in LA that I have done quite a bit of Shakespeare with his name is Alan Blumenfeld and he was mm -hmm. in Golden Girls twice but as two different characters each time he came wow. out so <laughs> wow he's in the universe but yeah different characters as two different people yeah wow that's cool I love it when that happens yeah um so my pick Tempest yeah why'd you um, why why Bailey like I chose the Tempest yeah and now mostly because I was the last to pick I got everybody else's picks and then I was like ooh, what is a fun one to sort of juxtapose but and so that was my first choice for the Tempest but my second reason was because I was like this is one that I struggle with a lot. I've directed it. I directed Ooh, the kids wow. in it. Um, it was my first one. It was my first one that I directed with um, Shakespeare Youth Fest when they were the LA Drama Club was the name at the time. And we were putting it up and the kids were conceptualizing this idea that it was this island that was sinking. That climate change or whatever it was was making this island go underwater and that the they had very little time to get off this island, mm. okay? Which was very interesting to me. 
But we got so obsessed with that thing and just also it was the younger kids to like really teaching them the words and stuff that I think I missed the point of the show a little bit. And I've seen it a couple times. I saw it at um, Shakespeare Youth. Uh, <laughs> I saw it at Oregon Shakespeare Fest. Uh, I told you guys before it was sort of in this weird kabuki style with the right, um, right, 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 World right. War II style, Japanese style, which I forget the name of. And uh, that came out of the bombing and stuff. And. I just don't know that I get it yet. Um, I saw a production where Prospero was literally dressed as Shakespeare. Yeah. Mm. And they just had him sort of as if this was his play that he was writing as it went. And that was that tracked for me a little bit, but I didn't know if, if Shakespeare was that meta or not. And I, I want to discuss that. So I want to sort of more open it up than talk about it because I don't know that I... I don't know that I understand this one, and I know there's some like some uh, weird discussion around like the Caliban character and mm-hmm. w- how you cast that, and I know there's some like race relation issues surrounding all these things. But I've seen the Julie Taymor movie, yeah. and I didn't like it, mm-hmm. and I've seen you know, so it's like I don't I don't know about this one. Go, that's how I feel. <laughs> can, can I jump in because I've Please. I've recently I think over the past two or three years had some breakthroughs with it. In, in terms of getting it. Can I tell my Tempest story? Cause it's one of, yeah. it's please. Okay. So I got to see Patrick Stewart do this in the park as part of the New York Shakespeare festival. Oh. I was uh, in college and I was doing summer stock at the Pennsylvania center stage and a buddy of my, a fellow actor and another buddy was, were like, hey, we can go, we, we have people to crash with, we can drive to New York and go see this show. So we finished up, uh, I think we were, uh, I think we were, I can't remember the fuck show I was doing. Um, uh, you, can t- you can't take it with you, I think. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we drove, it's, <laughs> it's about a four, yeah, right? It's about a four hour drive to New York City. We get there late at night. We crash at a friend's place. Um, uh, we're gonna get up, first thing the next morning because you have to go stand in line to get your free tickets because it's uh-huh so when we get up in the morning it's raining it's not pouring rain it's just this like summer super humid new york city middle of july wet we go we get wait in line we have coffee we have donuts great you know um and then we go and we hook up with some other friends and it becomes this adventure through the city. So we, we go into the village and we have like yakisoba and we, we have a beer with a friend. And then we walked a little further and the sun broke out and we like crashed in this park for an hour and we dried off and we smoked a joint in the park. And then we walked to another friend's place and we hung out at their apartment and had a drink. And then we went to Central Park and, and it's nice and warm and it's beautiful. And we go to see the show and it just the set was a giant circle sandbox the whole thing was Hmm. just a sandbox that's all there was but then they used puppetry and they used guys on stilts like that's how they created sort of the caliban and all the the storms and all this just theatrical stuff and it was magical and at intermission i peeing and Paul Simon is next to me at the urinal. And I'm like, this is, I'm in Central Park. It's the middle of summertime. I'm a little, my head's a little foggy. I'm a little tired. Did you look? I, I just, <laughs> I glanced at him. He was very small, very short. No, I didn't, yeah. I didn't look at his head. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, I wasn't that brave. But like, he clearly, he, clear, he clearly saw me looking at him and kind of 
scurried away. But he was there that night, and like, so the whole play is going on, and everybody's mic'd, and like, Liv Schreiber's in it, and and Bill Irwin's in it, and John Pankow's in it, and like, it, and and Patrick Stewart's just killing. Like, Patrick Stewart's like at his prime, like. Cut it. Like, imagine doing a full show on a giant fucking sandbox where you have to, like, like work your way through that. And he's on voice the whole time and all that. That's how I did Richard III, man. It was all on sand. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so the play, uh, he, it's, everything's mic'd. And at the very end, he comes out and he points at his, his headset mic and he points to the sound guy and he tells him to cut it. And so he cuts it. So the entire epilogue is now Patrick Stewart standing in the middle of this outdoor arena, the summer breeze cutting through. You can see Manhattan in the background. And he delivers that entire fucking epilogue off mic, on voice, and everybody could hear every single word. Ugh. And it was just this magical day that's always stayed with me. And I was in the prime of like theater nerdhood. And it was just great. And so I've always just loved this fucking play because of that. Thank you for letting me rant. What a so great long. story. No, it was a great day. That's great. It was a great Holy day. Holy shit. Um, Siege? This is one, and I meant to say this during Midsummer too. There's a couple Shakespeare plays that have all this fun, fantastical stuff that I want to see a super awesome movie that has the mm. budget to do all the crazy effects in it. Although I or what a stage production that has the budget to do like cool stage effects. Yeah, with it, yeah. Right? Like that the would stuff be sick. you can do with projections and all that nowadays. Like, and wow. I mean, don't get me wrong. I also love a cleverly done, cheap cube production of anything, so long as it's well done. Um, but that was also kind of why I was interested in watching um, the Tamor film, also because I love her Titus. What'd you think of the Tamor film? Because I do love the Titus. I love Titus. I, I think it's like a fun that. watch. I like right. It's really interesting. Alan Cumming is really fucking hilarious in it. I think it's interesting. What do you think of this, the Julie Tamor adaptation? I I thought she got a lot of stuff right, like the magic-y, trippy stuff. That all, all that stuff was good. The but... design, the Tamor of it all is great. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But man, the trio of, well, Caliban, Trink, Trinculo and uh, what's the last guy's name? Baraccio? Stefano. Stefano. Boy, that whole trio just made me uncomfortable Mm. because Russell Brand was total stunt casting and I was just annoyed by him the whole time. And how do you say that guy's name? The guy that played Caliban? Jaiman Hunsu. Yes. I. Right, yeah. I, I felt like so many things that they did with him was a mistake. I, that that honestly his whole part of the show like movie was the least comfortable thing for me and then you throw alfred molina in there who i usually love yeah and i just anytime they were on screen together it made me uncomfortable to be honest it goes yeah. back to my my theory that that it, it can shakespeare can be like a jenga thing one little piece you and the bolder your choices are in terms of the concept of the show then the more delicate that casting becomes and one miss thing can, can start to throw the whole thing off. That That's kind of how I felt about it, I, I think. Well, in a lot some... of ways, Shakespeare creates reality around you. And the more you try to play with that reality, the more you're pushing against the, the actual lifeblood of the script in a lot of different ways. And when you let actors say things like, look, we're on an island and we as an audience get to buy, okay, we're on an island. We're happy with it. 
And the more you try and contextualize it, the more we try to push against it because it pushed against uh, our very kind of imagination in a way. My last, my last Tempest thing that I wrote down while, while listening to and then watching this was um, if anybody ever does a spinoff play from this, I want to see the prequel to this that's the battle between Prospero and Sycorax. <laughs> Bogle, right? Yeah. What a fuck, uh, Sycorax. I like want to name my next cat that. It's a great name. We did a when we did our production, we actually made Sycorax a uh entity. <gasps> cool. Um that was stuck inside of the the sort of backdrop and we made this backdrop where she could press her face and hands against <gasps> it. Ooh, I just like got chills. <laughs> a scene from like the haunting or oh, something. Yeah, and it was really cool and she's this phenomenal performer so every once in a while she would take over caliban like a puppet <gasps> and she would just start speaking his words and he would mouth it along with her it was so, it was breathtaking it That's was breathtaking a great idea but it was just the, it was just us needing another part mm -hmm. like it was just uh, us being like how do we, how do we okay do we have too many kids for this show we can't split anything right. let's do this you know and and it worked and it was really um it was really powerful in its own way without actually saying anything. I don't know that it it was very deep, but it's a cool um, theatricality. Yeah, you know? and sometimes that stuff is is the jam. I, I was sure. going to jump in real quick, Bailey, and to talk about one of the things that I have found in the play recently that I clicked into was this idea that, that sh of Shakespeare as Prospero. That, right. That this, is, this is one of his last plays. He he's kind of set himself on retirement yeah. and so it's a lot the the magic sort of the magic and the mysticism and the sorcery and all that it becomes um a metaphor about art and be about creation and about spectacle and like even sure. in that final epilogue where he you know the the solemn temples and the great the great globe itself so there and and then all this sort of juxtapositions there's there's exile but then and reunion and there's fucking up and then there's redemption and uh loss and retrieval and i think that there's a lot of it at the end especially that we're we're it's it's a play for his audience where he's getting a little meta where he's like look i'm, sure. I'm creating i'm creating and i'm gonna leave it in your hands this is all you um, yeah. And so that's like my more recent take on it. It's rich, though. I think my biggest criticism is and casting can make up for this, but that sure. you only have one woman, that you only have mm. Miranda. Um, right. And I think we did a Prospera, mm -hmm. which was interesting. That's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, just mostly and I cause... loved Helen Mirren, by the way. And yeah, yeah, was fucking great fucking yeah it's helen mirren on a two-dimensional level which cj you might have this written out what is this play about on like the most two-dimensional level uh i do have it written out a major okay. act of betrayal ill treatment the development of magic arts and a plot of revenge a magically crafted storm resulting in shipwreck brings prospero's enemies to his island full of sprites fairies monsters and his hot young secret princess daughter Hot young secret princess daughter. It's the Princess Diaries. It's Anne Hathaway. It's his wife. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean it's it's a complicated one and it's not an easy one. All these later ones, you know, because this is like what the 
next to last, third from last? What was the lasty place? last? Well, this it... is in the folio. This is the last one to appear. Oh, okay. Uh, is there Ar- anything arguably, the folio? It... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, arguably, Henry VIII and uh, the two noble kinsmen, which uh, right. are, are were after that, but those were probably co co authorships. But yeah, Tempest is the last like Shakespeare. Yeah, we always put the um, that uh, the Great Globe itself speech. We always put that to the American Beauty theme song, which now is kind of weird to use. But the uh, the theme from American Beauty, oh yeah, is like really profoundly like it'll it'll draw a tear to anybody's eye, and they won't realize what it's from till later, and they're like, oh, it's from that. But there, <laughs> it's who did that um, music? Uh, I it's probably fucking um, one of the most famous Alexa. of all of them. Yeah, ask Alexa. Hold on. <laughs> Alexa's American <laughs> Beauty score. Oh, Thomas Newman. Oh, so yeah, yeah okay. and I think yeah. he probably wins the Oscar that year. I don't know if he, he doesn't, but that's okay. He won a bunch of other stuff, and he did the Red Violin and a bunch of other things. Yeah. Um, he's great, but we use that and we play it at the end of all of our. So every year we do like benefits and we do cabarets and stuff of Shakespeare to fulfill other time slots when we're not doing full production. And we always end it with that speech and we play the American beauty theme and there's not a dry eye uh-huh. every time. Cause it's just, these kids just like, they just step up with like a little smile and they just say it. And it's so sweet. It's the best. That's so cool. It's so cool. It is so cool. <laughs> is there anything else uh, y'all like are dying to say about the tempest? Or is there anything just like burning well, in your, I, in your heart's desire? Th- there's something about the clown roles, Trinculo and Stefano, and their interaction with Caliban, which like, like it feels substantively different than the clown roles in a lot of the other plays. Twelfth Night is the first one that comes to mind because everybody's seen a thousand versions of Twelfth Night. But a lot of the times the, the clown roles seem to be uh, alongside the major plot. But in The Tempest, whether or not Trinculo and Stefano succeed has a really significant part oh, yeah. as to whether or not the plot is going to resolve in a way. Like, Sir Sir Toby's goal in Twelfth Night is just to get as drunk as you know, drunk as possible, yeah, as often yeah, yeah, as possible. Yeah. And if he succeeds, it doesn't really have an outcome on whether or not Orsino and Olivia get together, but whether or not Trinculo and Stefano succeed in their goal really changes the outcome of the world in a, a really significant way, which is different than a lot of plays that Shakespeare, comedies, I should say, that Shakespeare has written up until this point in his career. This might be uh, uh, us getting getting some more beers and really talking through the tempest like i because yeah, I, I mean i feel like it's a show that i would love to direct you know and 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 try and come up with an idea for it that really right. seals it and we'd love on this podcast to be able to dissect to the deepest depths of all things but it's you know, this is a hard one because, like I said, I don't know that I have much to say about it. Like, I almost feel bad that I chose it because it, it's there's six hours of podcast on this that can be done. Oh, sure. It, yeah. it, and it was a good reread for me. Um, I enjoyed rereading it. But I did a lot of, like, putting it down, 
and then coming back to it because I kept being like, yeah, good, good, good Shakespeare stuff. Good. Whereas Love's Labor's Lost, I sat down and read it. Yeah. I read it the whole way through and I had like kind of fun reading it and I was like, great. And I had opinions on it. This one was, and maybe it's just because I already knew it and I didn't know Love's as well, but I, it was a slower read that wasn't as fun for me. Mm. So I don't know if he maybe lost some of his shebang, some of his clickety clack by the time he was, I don't, neither of those things are saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> I made them up just now. Hey, the old um, clickety clack. Hey, Bale. The old clickety clack. Oh, there, is, there is something interesting about Shakespeare scholarship that as he gets later in his career, people more and more start to read into what he's writing, which can bear really interesting fruit, but there's also the fact that like his budget got bigger and bigger as he was writing more and more. And so mm -hmm. like let's put storms on stage. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, like you look at like you look at um uh, uh Chicken or um any of the later quote unquote problem plays, uh, uh, what you would call it, Winter's Tale, where somebody literally measure for measure. measure measure people. Were, well, the, uh, I was thinking about a Winter's Tale where somebody changes from kept being a statue into being a human being, and you can almost see the producer in the background whispering to Shakespeare, like, "Spend the budget, spend the budget, figure out sure, spend sure. the budget," which then we, four hundred years later, start to intellectualize. Which for him at, at that point in time might have just been like, "All right." Uh, then a golden eagle descends from the sky because I've got $500 to blow in. That sounds like a cool thing to blow $500 on. Right. And we're obviously talking about um, William Shakespeare from the Tom Stoppard written Shakespeare in Love. Uh, that, he's not <laughs> that a real movie. person. He only exists in that form. Uh, Shakespeare in Love, the musical, also on Broadway. Thank you for being a friend. All right, I have another trivia from the Golden Girls. Now, this is a deep cut. Okay. okay. And everyone gets to guess, CJ, CJ and I are tied, guess. by the way, right? That's right. Officially There's a tie tied. happening right okay. now. Yeah, this is for Scott 60 G. points. Uh -huh. <laughs> so theoretically, Tim could take it. Sure. <laughs> this is for all the money, okay? Mm -hmm. So I want to let you know that you only get one guess. So okay. think on it hard and then give your answer, all right? And I'm going to okay. call upon you. Don't just shout it out. Okay. And then I will tell you the answer. All right, here we go. Who allowed one of the girls to borrow her car, then reported it stolen? Now, take your time. Think about it. Who allowed one of the girls to borrow her car, then reported it stolen? Scott, you got a guess? Betty White. Okay, that's Rose. Uh, Rose. Tim, you got a guess? John Stamos. John Stamos, yeah, I, he was on an episode of Golden Girls, so I'll take it. And uh, CJ, I'm gonna say Stan. Stan, yeah. She, so who allowed one of the girls to borrow her car? Oh, and reported it stolen. Oh, was it Blanche? Okay, here we go. <laughs> the answer is for sixty points <laughs> to take the whole game. God, it better be John Stamos. The winner is. CJ with 100 points, Blanche, <laughs> Blanche, uh, in fact, gave one of the girls her new car. Remember, she bought a brand new car. Yes. Uh, she came into some money, I you believe, when that, 
when her father died, when Big Daddy died. My my, my uh, cat mama Big Daddy, is that's right. rubbing against my mic right now, so I don't even know if you can hear me, but I... Mama, stop. Um, okay, but speaking of trivia, uh, Scott, you said you had some, like, random trivia facts. I do. I've got, uh, just in, in doing the research and prepping for this, I found, um, I, got, I got three quick questions. So, uh, first question. After Hamlet. My cat. Hold on. <laughs> oh, She's eating my mic. Okay, go. All right, go ahead. <laughs> After Hamlet, what character has the most lines in a single play? So who has the second most lines? Falstaff. Rosalind. In Henry IV. Uh, I, 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 I want to guess that it's Lear, is it not? Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. It is Richard III. Ah, Richard all those Fair fucking enough. soliloquies. Um, yeah. Next question. Which character has the most lines in multiple plays? In other words, there's a character that recurs in multiple. Falstaff. Falstaff. Come on, Henry V. Tim is correct. It is Damn. 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 Yeah, because he's in the whole Henry ad. Falstaff okay. is second. Uh, uh, so Henry V has uh, 1,835 lines. Falstaff has 1,623. Is Henry V technically how? Yes. Yes. Got it. Okay. It's the Got same it. character. Perfect. Okay. Now, uh, now, which, this is fucked up. Which, this is cheating a little bit. Which female character has the most lines in Shakespeare? Scott, you already told me this, so I'm not going to answer. Okay. Is it, it's not Lady M, because she's not, she doesn't say that much. She's just in those big scenes. Um, is it Quigley, Mr. Quigley? Quickly, no. Doll Tashit. No, it's it's got to be. Um... Oh, Cleopatra. There you go. So my first guesses were was Cleopatra and Lady M. It's yeah. Rosalind in As You Like. Oh, uh, in As You Like. And she's not even in the top 15 in terms of overall characters. Yeah. So, wow. Surprise, the ladies don't get as many lines as the boys. Shocking. Shit. Well, I mean, I mean, if you if you're facing an era where women are not allowed on stage, Sure. <laughs> like you're gonna write plays around like, oh, I guess I gotta put more dudes in this. And you got oh, that was the other young thing men I learned. playing. Do you know what? Well, what year women started performing uh, on stage in in England? Nineteen oh six. It's not nineteen. <laughs> it's not that. It's it not been, nearly it that. It would have been after the the restoration, so maybe seventeen nineteen ninety four. Sixty two. <laughs> No, it's much earlier than that. It's 2012? 16, <laughs> it's 1668. Wow. Oh, sure. Cromwell, Cromwell gets deposed in 1668. Cromwell. Yeah, they threw her right on stage afterwards. Get her on. So Let's Gwyneth Paltrow had nothing to do with that? <laughs> well, well, no. And well, actually, the, the, a, lot of the, a lot of Shakespeare's popularity in the mid 17th century has to do with the fact that like 
well, it is technically a lady uh, who is in the play, and so we have to put her in pants. And because nobody prior to 1668 had ever seen a woman in pants before, that was really sexy at the time. And so they're like, well, let's just do all of the plays where Shakespeare puts a lady in pants. Hey, Tim, it's sexy yeah. now. It's sexy it's now. CJ wears now. the pants all in this the time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Men love it. Uh, you got any others, Scott? Is that it? No, that was it. That was it. I just thought those were interesting. You know, well, Hamlet also uh, obviously is the number one. Right. But it is. It is time now to do something that we all love slash hate, which is we're going to rank the four of these. Uh, Whatever criteria you want, you don't necessarily have to tell us, but we're just going to do four, three, two, one of these four plays just in terms of what you feel like your criteria is. Why don't we start with Scott? What are your four? Uh, starting with number four, Love's Labor's Lost. Okay. Uh, number three is Much Ado About Nothing. Number okay. two is The Tempest. And number one is Midsummer Night's Dream. Interesting list. Why do you put that at the top? I... It's the one that I keep coming back to the most, and I think it's the one that's the can be the most entertaining and the one that you can do the most with. Um, it's it's more of a blank slate. Love it, Tim. You four. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put much do it four. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put. Uh, that uh, number three is really hard. It's the hardest one there is. Um, Kill those I, darlings. Kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I'm gonna put. Uh, I'm. You, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna put the tempest at number three. Okay. Love's Labor at number two, mm-hmm. and Midnight Night Stream at number one. Nice. So we got two Midsummers up there. What what is the what's your reasoning for that? Well, because it's really hard to draw perfect circles. Sure. Uh, Midsummer is, uh, I think, the culmination of like, all right, we've got plot one, plot two, and plot three, mm-hmm. and we're gonna make them all like little perfect circles right plot one has a beginning that ends plot two has a beginning and it ends and plot three has a beginning and that ends and it's really satisfying um on the other hand i put love's labors at number two because i think that uh incompleteness is better raw and so i think that it is better than much ado because i think uh much ado is a more mature version of love's labors Sure. But not as complete. Right, exactly. Or not even as um, uh, funny, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Agreed. (laughs) Siege? Four. Love's Labor's Lost. Three, Ado. Two, Midsummer. Mm -hmm. One, Tempest. Why do you put Tempest on the top? Um, I It's a play that I need some more time with. Um, I'm very... I like both of them because they're both both very magical and fun in that way. And they're always like, I was thinking about how much I love seeing Midsummer with a bunch of other theater people that know Shakespeare. It's a fun play to watch with people right. that know what's going on. Tempest, I think, just has a little bit more 
depth to it. Um, and yeah, I just, I want more time with it. I want to see some other stuff from it. I'd love to be in it. And Midsummer is also one of those plays that like I've seen and done a billion and a half times. Yeah. 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 I feel that. I, I agree. I need some more time with the Tempest. I need a little bit of just like, Maybe I need to work on it again. Maybe I need to see a really in, an incredible production that really feels like it has something to say with it. But mm -hmm. as of now, yeah, I think there's a lot of pitfalls with it that I don't know if I understand yet. So I don't know that I would try to helm a production anytime soon. Uh, so my top four, for that reason and based on my criteria, four is Tempest. Wow. Three is Much Ado About Nothing. Two is Midsummer. One is <laughs> Love Labor's Lost. And I have to wow. be honest, the reason why is two things. One, I had a lot of fun reading it, and it's the first time I've ever read it. Hmm. It was the first time I ever sat down and actually read the play. So that was fun to do for me. It was a fun experience. I don't know that I need to like be a part of a production of it anytime soon, but when I was talking to Julia about it, and she said the thing about middle school and high school girls really getting it. I was like, that I. She told me that before I read it, so mm -hmm. then I went into it with these eyes, and I think just from this reading, that was my favorite of the four. Midsummer, uh, I have a lot of opinions on um, in terms of like the productions I've seen and the monologues I've seen people use in fucking auditions mm -hmm. and such um, that I I just don't I I think is rough, but. It, it's got to live up there. I think we all are kind of in agreement with that. Tempest, I just need more time with before I can put it up higher on a list like that, you know? And I really yeah. just have no feelings about much to do at this point. I'm just like, yeah, it's good. I have fun. Dogberry's fun. I want to play with Dogberry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like wordplaying word clowns are fun. Great yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Great. Love it. Good times. And same with Love's Later's Lost, where I'm like, wordplay. Great. I love Eminem. I love, it's, um, uh, you know, that uh, sounds awesome. No, no, watch, watching Much Ado is a bit like watching Big Bang Theory in so much that you're like, <laughs> like, like as a theater person, you're like, oh, I can see the joke coming, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, it's satisfying in the sense that you're like, wow, man, Shakespeare can really count to three over and over again really, yeah. really well. Agreed. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's complex or satisfying. Yeah, and you know, sometimes I'm a little over the like mistaken identity stuff. I'm always a little like, yeah, okay, great. We, yeah, mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. who each other are. Uh, they like, have mistaken identity um, and love's labor's lost. No, that's true. Identity I, and I'm saying that about all of these things. I'm <laughs> oh. saying that sometimes just with all of them, I'm a little bit like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are comedies that I would rank above all four of these. So that's just how it goes. But right on. Um, I mean, I mean, clearly, a comedy of errors is the greatest comedy that Shakespeare ever wrote. Do you actually believe that, or are you joking? I'm joking. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, the Harlem Renaissance one that I saw was pretty epic, but I, besides that, I think it's, um, you know, I mean, the entire, purely... the entire, the entire plot of that play is, oh my God, they have the same name. They're the same. Um, in the same, in the same way that, you know, the entire plot of, um, Oh goodness gracious! I can't. My brain's nowhere right now. Great balls. The entire of fire. plot of uh, the entire plot of of Goodwill Hunting is how can that guy be smart? He sounds like an idiot. Like right, right. Yeah. yeah. I'm still yeah, laughing you know, at Mike the Nichols. thought that Scott loves ten things I hate about Gus you. Gus <laughs> I do like Scott that. Scott does I, love ten things I hate about you. I do. Yeah. I I I was I was just. Heath Ledger, man, rip. 
Listen, I think uh, I felt the same way about O. Did you guys ever see O? Yeah. Uh, it, which... think... Oh, the Cirque du Soleil show, Bellagio. No, no, no. <laughs> Shut up. No, the Othello uh, with with. But uh, I think any time that you make Omar make Epps. make yeah, and Tim Blake Nelson directed that. Oh, really? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Oh, um, and so I just think that um, any time that you can make Shakespeare accessible, especially to young people, you know, I'm, I'm all for all that stuff. And yeah. if it's done in, in, in a clever way and 10 things, they're both great in that. They're both great. Guys, in I'm he a fucking asshole. Up your theater, y'all. I'm a fucking asshole. Uh, it's not Omar Epps. That's, it is Mackay Pfeiffer. Mackay Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. I apologize. But the cover, of course, is Julia Stiles and Josh Hartnett. So it's right. like, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't love that. I don't love that movie. I just dig it. Yeah, no. I Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. Us. Does anybody have? It's like the um, the uh, Ethan Hawke Hamlet movie, which I know isn't good in theory, is not a good film, but mm -hmm. for some reason I really dig it. Like there, I like to put it on. There's some. <laughs> you know what it? You know what it is that I appreciate about that one, is that they do some things in there to really make it cinematic. But it's sure. another one where, like, I love me Bill Murray. Um, yeah, theoretically, yeah. he should be great. he should be great in it, and he's not great in it. No, uh, no one's great in it. That's the whole thing. Is that it's I, like very. I, I kind of dig Sam Beckett in it, though. I kind of, or not Sam Beckett. Sam Shepard. Uh, Sam Shepard did it. Yeah, a little bit, just a little bit. But, Does anybody no. play in it? He is. I haven't seen the ghost. Hamlet. He's the ghost of of uh, King. Yeah. All right. And it's the Hamlet, Hamlet. Corporation. Right. Oh, I love it. Okay, that's fine. Liv Schreiber is... Um, What's his name? Claudio is fucking... The guy from Twin Peaks. Why can't I think of his name? It's oh, Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, Showgirls? Claudio. It's great. It's, from Showgirls, yeah. yes. <laughs> that's what um, I know him from. Verhoeven's Showgirls, yeah. Um... <laughs> So, does anybody have any dream roles they want to throw out there? I've thrown mine out. I want to play. I've played Falstaff. I'd love to tackle Dogberry. Uh, I don't know. What you got? I would love to do. Uh, I would love to do Benedict. Like I really would. Mm. I'm not right for it. I'll never do it. But I'd love don't to say do that. A, no, you never say. It. I would love to do Oberon. Yeah. Ooh, Oberon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to do Oberon and Theseus uh, as a, the dual thing. Just, just, just fucking just be dirty fairy yeah that'd be great <laughs> uh i uh, i uh, i would love uh, from the, from the dramatic perspective i would love to play antony and antony and cleopatra because i think he's the biggest dumb shit that there is which says a lot about me uh and i would also really love to play toby belch uh which if you look a pic if you look up a picture of me I am not what you would think of as far as Toby Belch goes. Um, but it's a I fun do, fucking play. I think it. I think I do a it's great a job. Role. I also think I. Fun role. Yeah. Uh, off topic, but similarly, I think I. I think I'd be a killer Blanche Dubois. I think I would knock that out of the fucking park. Stop. I think so too. I, th I think we should uh, probably put that yeah, up. Yeah, I would. I would fucking knock Blanche Dubois out of the park. You kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Siege, who would you want to play? Um, Puck, Bottom, Dogberry. I could get down with a Prospero or an Ariel, actually. Like any of those fun, like. You'd be a great Ariel. Mm. That would be a lot That'd of be fun. Really fun. Any of the movement y type stuff I'm always into. Yeah. That uh, would be a good You know time. who I would love to see you play, she, uh, CJ? Do tell. I, I'd love to see you play Henry V. 
Oh my god, I would fucking kill to play that. Although no. I'd wanna, yeah, I'd I want to see you play too. Hal first in Henry Four and do the whole Henry ad and go yep. through and have you play it in all the different. Yeah, man. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. I'm in. I'll yeah. shave my head. One hundred percent. No, no, it's more. It, it's it's more interesting if you just if you're just you. I think it's. I think it would be beautiful. Right on. No, I'm in. I love all that shit. I mean, that's my thing with Shakespeare most of the time anyway. I'm just like, just let me play the men's parts. That's all the good stuff anyway, mostly. Yeah, right. It'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, this is the end of our first season doing our <gasps> podcast. Isn't that fucking crazy? We Can did? you believe it? I, I, not really. I don't believe anything that's happened in 2020. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, it's, um, thank you both so much. And Tim, thanks for joining us today. But yeah, brother. Uh, this uh, taking this journey and you know um, and really committing to doing it has been you know life saving and brain saving and right. very much appreciated and um, I'm glad to be be taking it with y'all. I agree. It's been a it's been a ride. It's been uh, fucking crazy. Um, and we you know do apologize for all the times, especially in the early episodes where the uh, quality of sound wasn't great. But I feel like we're getting there. We're finding it. We're, we're finding that every time the happy yeah. spot. It's tricky with the zooms. Siege, how is how how you doing? How are you feeling? I'm just I've loved this, and I've I'm so glad that we did it, Bailey. I'm glad you kind of lit a fire under us. And I said, let's record ourselves talking how we always talk anyway. Right. It became a podcast. Yeah. Um, It's been so good for me, too, because I've read. I mean, we talked about this in the little finale thing that we did, but like I've read so many plays mm -hmm. and I've seen a bunch of movies that I haven't seen before. And uh, any of that is good. So I've yeah. just yeah, I've loved it. I'm glad we're doing it. It's something like I said, I've always wanted to do. So yeah. thank you, y'all. Guys, thank you for joining us for almost a year of podcasting. It's the end of 2020. Next time we see you, hear you, uh, speak out loud to for you. you to hear. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, we'll be in 2021 and we'll be picking up probably mid to late January with Sam Shepard. That oh, is our shit. first episode. Uh, and then we have a bunch of really incredible uh, playwrights to do through the next year. And we of course have uh, guests lined up for a lot of them. We're doing a lot of incredible playwrights of color. We also are going to keep maintaining that every sixth topic is going to be, uh, every sixth miniseries is going to be kind of a special thing. And we will circle back around at some point to doing things we've already covered so that we can do uh, different uh deep dives and picks so we're very excited about that um write in follow us uh, tell us if you hate us R write reviews even if it's one star we don't care we just want to hear your thought actually one star is mean but at least if you're gonna do it tell us why because you know that yeah. that does help a lot and we just appreciate it so very much thank you for joining us on this bonus mini series on shakespeare's comedies we'll be back in 2021 um, thank you to Pam Quinn for the song that you'll hear and all the songs that she wrote, which by the way, she's, um, been compiling and she might end up like putting on Spotify and doing some stuff with just because they're written songs and why not do something with them? So if you ever want to download those, we will figure out a way to put that on our social so you can find that. Thank you to Ryan Thomas Johnson for an incredible theme song, which we will use forever. Cause it's just, it's perfect. It's it fits us it's so, so well, follow us on all the things, rate, subscribe, review, all the junk. Uh, Tim, thank you so fucking much for being yeah, on buddy. this podcast Thanks, with bro. us. 
uh, hey, we'll have you uh, on. Thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for inviting me, and thank you for inviting me uh, to the subsequent Shakespeare episodes as well as the Eugene O'Neill episode. I really appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have we to. do have Eugene O'Neill. We do have Eugene O'Neill lined up at some point, and that is going to be one of those. It's like the checkoff episode where we're just going to be like, "All right, let's read some plays. Uh, let's do. Yeah. Some... Let's sit down and read some." Oh man, Gene O'Neill is so fucking good, though. He's like he's like the Aeschylus of American theater. It's going to be yeah, incredible. It's fucking great. We're going to go ham on it. I love you guys. It's been an incredible year. We'll see you next year. Happy holidays. Uh, mouths and butts are the same thing. Mouths so make and butts sure are the same things. You fill them both with love. Try to remember the and remember, if you say poop, you're doing the same thing that your butt does when you poop. There are worse things I could do than go with a boy or and no good i suppose <laughs> it could be true but there are worse things i could yeah <laughs> <laughs> love you guys love y'all Peace. Love. hooray Smile.